you know, you mentioned mantras, you know, your mantra I love, like stay in the fight has stuck in my head many times, not even just with running, in certain things, like when I'm like, oh, I'm getting down at the end of the day and I'm like, oh no, stay in the fight, we're gonna get through this, right? And I talk to myself and the more positive I can talk to myself, there was, you know, the negativity that creeps in and it's really a, a really hard thing I know that a lot of people experience and don't know how to deal with it. And I think that's the learning curve I've also learned over the last couple of years is really to practice that. But, you know, one of the things I said to myself when I had four miles left, I said to myself, why not me? I said that question, like, why not me? Like my self-worth has always gotten my way. And up to today, I finally said, I am worthy. And today was the day and I made it happen. And I just, it was all about gratitude. I mean, I had to, I have to say that energy really does uh, help. Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode 85 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. Maggie Rattel has been on a quest to run a sub three. Having qualified for Ironman Kona twice and run a 330 marathon off the bike, Maggie believes she had the strength and grit to get it done. Race experiences and her fire to achieve it shaped her to dive deeper on nutrition, fueling, sleep, mantras, and mental game. As athletes, we all hope for a perfect training cycle. We root for the best weather and optimal conditions to help us meet and smash our goals. On Saturday, 521 in Chattanooga, Maggie crushed a sub-five half Ironman, running her fastest half, 136, off the bike, and won her age group by an astonishing 12 minutes. And just seven days later, on 528, she laced him up at the Bayshore Marathon and rocked a 258.02, smashing down the sub-three door and making her dream come true. Maggie's a board-certified health and wellness coach and USAT Level 1 certified tri-coach at TS2 Coaching and is all about community and giving back. So much of our run chat centers on gratitude. For anyone who has struggled with their nutrition, race day fueling plans, or mindset, there are so many great takeaways. Hope you all enjoy this one as much as we did. So let's dive on in and take a listen. Maggie Rattel, welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. How are you doing? I am doing awesome. You should be doing awesome, girl. You ran your first sub three today, man. It's a big day. Or was it today? Or was it like yesterday? I know it was recent, but uh, it was when today, this morning, Saturday, here in uh, Michigan. Breaking news. This is what we love on Run Chats, man. We want breaking news. We want to be live in the moment. And it was at the Bayshore Marathon, right? Just making sure I get that right. Yep, Bayshore up in Traverse City. Awesome, man. And I hear it's a beautiful, beautiful race for the Run Chats audience because I have not had the opportunity to race in Michigan. I've been invited a couple of times to come out. I hear it's a fabulous course. It's awesome. It is um, basically we run up a peninsula with a wonderful view of the crystal clear blue water. And it's like if you've never been to Michigan, all you can think about is, oh, it's Detroit, you know, or there's cow pastures and just nothing in the middle of it. But then it's up in the top part of Michigan and it's a whole nother world up there and we love it. 
Love it. Do you um do you ever listen to the A to Z running podcast? Do you know Andy and Zach Ripley by any chance? I do. Okay. Yeah, they're uh, both both of them have actually um qualified and run in the Olympic trials for the marathon. Um, both Andy and Zach. I think Zach has qualified twice. I think he ran in LA and then in Atlanta, and Andy was Atlanta last year. Um, they've both been on my show and I've been on their show. They're uh, they're terrific. They also do coaching like you. So they're coaches, they're runners. And, you know, they're in the community. The thing is, I just don't know exactly where in Michigan they are, but um, I know there's that series of races, that 25K. Didn't they have the 25K championship out there somewhere in Michigan recently? Maybe. Yeah, they did. <laughs> I know Michigan's... I too yet. <laughs> I know Michigan's a big state, so, you know, it's not like uh, it's New York City and we could say, you know, it's in this, bur- you know, it's downtown or it's Upper West Side or whatever. But anyway, it's always fun when you bring guests on. So um, just tell everybody, Maggie, a little about where you grew up as a kid, family life, just a little intro on yourself. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I, um, I'm from Midland, Michigan, so it's kind of a small town. Um, I grew up, in, you know, my parents were kind of, my dad was a blue collar kind of worker, worked at the big, you know, the plant there. Um, pretty typical uh, growing up. You know, I had three older brothers, though, that I think they challenged me, gave me the grit that I have. Um, now, they they were always, always on me, you know, teasing me and stuff. Um, just had a typical, you know, I played sports. I, I did fairly well at school. I wasn't really, you know, great at school and stuff, but... Um, just had aspirations to get um, out of town. I really wanted to do some things. And, you know, I always dreamed of more, right? I've always dreamed of more. So what do I do? I have to go to college. I, I went to college, um, became a dietitian. And then, then I finally did move away. Um, I went to Atlanta for a while and then I went to Philly. And then eventually once I had kids, I, I moved back home. So I've been back in Midland and I uh, live and work and run and have a great running community there. Awesome. And we're growing up with your three brothers. So it's the four of you. Uh, were you guys competitive with each other? Did you guys battle it out in sports and game night? Was everything like super competitive? What was that like? Absolutely. Monopoly. I mean, if we, we had Monopoly nights where I, I think everyone went to bed angry at each other. You know, um, definitely com- com- competitive with sports. I was the youngest. So, of course, I didn't really, I had to hand me down stuff, but I totally biked, you know, I bike until my toes bled because the bike didn't even have a, a didn't have the coasting mechanism in it when I was younger so no we we I always played with, with my and so I grew up kind of being a tomboy so yeah it was truly kind of helped develop me too I think where I am today with the grit I have so <laughs> love it I think it makes you tough right um you know when you grow up in a, a tight family and you're competitive particularly the stuff like monopoly and game night man we live for that stuff at our house man somebody was always robbing the money out of the bank or cheating we always had to make sure mom was in charge of the bank or something because I, I wouldn't trust one of my brothers to do it i would just figure they were cheating and that's of why course. they were winning because that's the way it is man it's ruthless man when you get the family together right yep tons of fun though Oh yeah. Yeah, man. I wish I, I miss those days to be honest. Uh, you know, my son's uh, 25 and living up in Vermont, graduated college. You know, we don't have those kind of nights anymore. And I, I remember them when I was a kid, man, they're fond memories. You know, when you, when you get that one night, when you go to the table or if you went to the beach in the summer, if you had a beach house or a lake house and, um, you know, you had your game nights, man, and did that stuff. It's a fun way to bring everybody together for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Did that at Christmas time this last year with my, my, my kids and we had a really fun game night and it's just a memory I'll always remember for sure. 
Nice. Nice. So what was sports like as a kid? So you said you really weren't, uh, you know, really into school. Like you're just making your way through it. You wanted to get out of town. You wanted to move on and get to different things. But what was, what was sports like as a kid and what were you interested in? Yeah. Sports were kind of like the, it's the community. I I think about it now. And I I think back at what it did for me, it was kind of like, I just got through the day with classes to get to, to practice, you know, basketball. I played, um, I started basketball in in middle, you know, and like, like, I guess second grade or something like that. They offered it soccer in second grade. Um, you know, I, I did a couple of track events and I always had this one friend of mine. She was always, she was my best friend, but she was always better than me. And I always wanted to compete with her, but I knew I couldn't, I was small. I was like really small. Um, so yeah, it was sports where it was life, you know, it was basically what we do on the, on the Sunday, we'd go and go to the Baptist church on the corner and get a Slurpee and we'd hang out and play basketball all afternoon. Um, I swam, but I didn't, I never learned how to swim. I just went to the pool. Right. Um, we hung out, we rode bikes around town. So, I mean, there was no cell phones, there was not the TV. So, so living activity was life. So I kind of, I think that's organically where my athleticism kind of came from is because I've always, I grew up just with sports I never ran, never did cross country, didn't do track but I, I ran all the time, you know, it's kind of like that insidious thing that happens when you train for basketball. I love the suicide sprints in the basketball practice. That was my favorite. (laughs) Yeah. Suicides are, suicides are definitely fun, man. Inside the gym where you can barely breathe and you're sweating and, uh, wrestling. We used to have to put these like plastic suits on to make us lose weight and run steps and run to the gym. And you know, the crazy things we did in like That's high just school, torture. it is, it <laughs> is torture. And, and usually running was used kind of as some form of torture for us to run laps. If we were talking in gym class or doing something we weren't supposed to do, but, um, it was different. And, um, uh, I, I wouldn't trade my growing up and the time that I grew up the same way as you, because we were outside all the time. That's all we ever did. And my older brother was a year and a half older than me. And he was in charge of me and my younger brother as if he was like mm-hmm. a grown up. He wasn't a grown up. He was a year and a half older than us, but we, the 12 year olds. Yeah, charge. exactly. <laughs> the 12 and I'm 10 and a half and my brother's eight and a half. You, you, you could have been there with us, but we were gone all day and we only came home at night, like way after dark. Like yes. we didn't come home, Be for, home before the streetlights turn on. Yeah. <laughs> And even sometimes later, but, you know, mostly it was dinner, you know, just like be home yeah. for dinner. Yeah. And then, of course, when yeah. we had games on the weekends, you know, the, the families were all, you know, came. My mom was at every game, you know, and she was working in the, the counter, you know, making hamburgers or hot dogs while we were pitching. I could hear her yelling when I'm out of the mound pitching, you know, if the umpire wasn't calling strikes for me. <laughs> I can awesome. still still hear her, man. But but good stuff. So um, So that was your introduction, but not into running per se. So where do you get your first introduction to running and how do you find your way into the sport? And also we're going to get into this as well because you're a big time triathlete as well and have raced in Kona. So you're as much involved in that world, maybe even more than you are actually as running and a marathon runner. But when did you first like kind of get your foot into the water, into running and, and training and stuff like that? Well, I first started running. It's funny because running became a complimentary thing to my fitness journey. I was overweight after having my three kids. I was over overworked. I mean, I was just a stressful full-time working mom traveling all over the place. And I really wasn't caring for myself. So I joined a gym, joined a challenge and fast forward, basically in the gym, some of the people that actually I saw today running Bayshore, 
They are my biggest inspirations that got me to there. They're the people that were already runners and they came to the gym to, and I was instructing at the gym after I had won this challenge. So it became my life. Like I just was, activity was so important to me again. And finally, nutrition was very important to me again. I reconnected with that kind of, you know, what made me tick a little bit. And um, I, they, they mentioned Bayshore and they said, yeah, there's a half marathon there. There's a marathon. And they, and I had been just running only to kind of help with my fitness. Cause we were doing kickboxing. I was doing strength training. So really running was complimentary. So anyways, fast forward to, Hey Maggie, you can do Bayshore. You can do the half marathon. You could run. And I started training with them. They, they invited me. There's a multi-sport club that they said, here, join this. And I started running with people, joining them for like 10 mile runs on the weekend and just, you know, bike rides and things like that. And it really became that I'm going to meet up at five 30 at night and I'm going to go, or I'm going to get there at eight, eight in the morning. And it was my, it was my, my de-stressed time. It was my time away. It was my me time. And that then just compounded into let's go to this 5k race. Let's go, you know, Oh, you can do a 10k. And the next month I did a half marathon. I did a 133 for my first half marathon. It was crazy. Um, and then they're like, Oh, you can do the marathon in two months. And so it was my friends. It was the connection in you know, the community that really got me going. Um, and then it blossomed from there. I love it. Um, cause it gives us real context. Um, you know, there's so many moms out there, you know, I was raised by a single mom and my dad's passed on for, for many, many years, but, um, we, he was always like around the periphery for us growing up, but it was really always my mom. My mom taught us to play baseball, taught us to play every sport was just out there with us and is still with us today. Going to be, going to be 90. So, um, I tend to, um, favor, uh, single working moms or moms who have it tough or just are in tough spots and just have to manage so much because out of respect, um, just, uh, how I was raised and, you know, for you handling three kids and that stress and all of that stuff, you know, to find it was really lucky, um, because you didn't have it before. It's not like you came back to running and you were really good at running or you, you were really competitive as a kid. Like you really didn't know what was going on. I mean, more or less you were doing it to try to lose some weight. Um, and it wasn't really a weight thing. It was really like a body mass thing more. So it was like a little different than your average thing. So it was like activities based, you know, checking in, doing a certain amount of working out and you end up connecting with these people and you won, you won the challenge, right? So that's another, another cool thing, right? Start, started with winning the challenge, became an instructor. I was that into it and I loved the people. And then the, it's, it was all about the people that connect. I was I was in it for, for helping and coaching them. I became a coach and, you know, it was like showing them how I did it and what are the tips and doing it safely and doing it, you know, doing it the right way. So it's long-term, right? So I saw myself long-term that this was how I was going to be. And here I am 12 years later. And I actually am now in a position where I am a health and wellness coach. I'm a board certified now health and wellness coach, along with being a dietitian for 25 years. So it's now, a, it's my full-time job. It's I coach on, you know, I coach through TS2 coaching for triathletes and marathoners, but I also, my full-time job is in a health healthcare center. So I am a hundred percent that my brain is health and wellness. So it, it helps, I think overall. Right. But it started a long time ago and it's taken me here. What a journey. Um, and what a cool journey at that. Um, because it's end to end. Um, so a lot of coaches that are out there and terrific coaches at that, they may be incredibly skilled at writing out a plan for an athlete, 
uh, whether that's a runner who wants to run their first 5K or they want to run their first half marathon or maybe aspirationally want to get to a marathon or maybe even a BQ um, or in your world with triathlon, you know, maybe they have dreams of one day qualifying for Kona or doing an Ironman, maybe not even going to Kona just to, to complete an Ironman distance or maybe a, a 70.3. Um, so for you to have the full end-to-end picture and know about nutrition and diet and health and wellness, you know, you can be looking out for your athletes in, in a different manner um, and hopefully also applying those same principles and rules to yourself, right? Oh, absolutely. Like I've, I've focused so much over the last couple of years, especially on, you know, what, what can get me to a higher performance level? Have, have I at my ripe age of, you know, 49, um, you know, my young age, I should say, of 49, can I do any better? And, you know, I was kind of stuck in a point where I was, you know, contemplating that. So nutrition, I really dug deeper and looking at my nutrition. Am I eating enough for what I'm doing? I also then started really honing in on sleep. I think sleep is a superpower that no one can, you know, it's just something that you have to respect. It's just like, you know, doing a good job at work, you do your nine to five, well, you better make sure you sleep nine to five too. Um, you know, so I think all of that kind of came into play. I didn't really, and I've, I've, I've faltered so much. And I think that's the lesson I share with anyone I am with. I don't care if I'm coaching you, if I'm your friend, if I'm your mother, you know, if you're I'm your mother, like to my kids, um, I'm sharing it. I'm sharing what I know because I like to, I think the vulnerability of being vulnerable and sharing what you know goes and extends further than you ever can. That energy kind of goes across to people in a different way than just telling them what they should do. Every, everyone knows what to do. Mostly, mostly. It's, it's about hel- helping them to believe in what they should do and in doing the right things for themselves. Yeah. I mean, just think about how more poignant it is when you just tell, when you tell your kids to do something, right? You need to sleep 10 hours a night or you need to study for the test. Like, man, that stuff is never going to go over well. Okay. But if you find a way to say, if you can study in this way for this test, or if we can approach it this way, because this is the subject you have the most trouble with, let's try this. We've tried other things. This hasn't worked. Let's try it this way. See if this has an impact. Or right now you're only sleeping four hours a night. Okay. Let's see if we can get you to six hours. What can we do to help, you know, maybe better pillows. Maybe you need to relax and breathe or listen to a meditation tape or no TV after seven o'clock. Like you have to try changing all of these other stimuli that are around you before you can like step in there and say, this could work or this can't work. And also nobody wants to be told like you need to get 10 hours a night. Hey man, you know what? Where are you right now? What's your baseline? Okay. And then how did you, if you're sleeping more than eight hours a night, how did you get from where you were to like where you are now? Because to me, they're the stories that resonate the most. If you tell me how you went from four or five hours, and then the little changes that you made, because the changes that Maggie makes may not work for Ron or the changes I make may not work for somebody else that, you know, are in our circle, but they might. So that's the whole thing. So for me, I know I need to get more sleep and I'm doing better at it, but I need to improve. That's definitely an area that I can improve more. So what are some tips that you can, that you can give us, you know, in that area? Sleep is something where I think, you know, having a routine your body, you know, the, the normal cycle. And I know I, I feel, I feel very much empathy for those that do, you know, shift work or have young ones. And I, I mean, I lived through that time when sleep was just, uh, it was on, una- I was unable to get it. it. It 
you just, it didn't fit. It didn't fit within your, so do you need support in that, that manner? But, um, you know, I think more, more than anything, look at the things that don't serve you, look at the things that aren't serving you and that are interfering to get to that sleep time. I mean, that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing. People say, I just don't, you know, I I have other things to do. No, you have a lot of time to waste in a day. And if you just look at the number of hours you work, the number of hours you sleep, and then if you can get that hour of workout in a day, you get umpteen hours ready, still available for, for use of the day. How do you use them? How do those, how do those hours that you're using your time serve you or not serve you and pick it, pick away at it and chisel it. And as soon as you can figure out that those aspects, a lot of other things kind of come into play too, you know? So too much time on social media is a big one. Too much time watching TV, binging on Netflix, drinking alcohol too late or on days you shouldn't. You know, there's a lot of lot of little things like that. But, um, you know, it's just pick a, I, I have a, I have a nighttime alarm that comes up on my Fitbit watch that I wear, which, you know, has the opposite arm of my, where my Garmin goes because <laughs> I'm a data junkie. But um, it tells me when it's time to wind down. But I, I, my body tells me now. It's so natural. Those are some great tips. Um, I think um, you also have to learn on your own um, because all of those things you said, we many of us are guilty of. Some of us aren't. Some people don't even watch TV at all. Good for them. Um, some people read a lot. Other people don't read at all. Like we all have our things that we bring us joy or there are routines like ritualistic kind of in nature. Um, but, you know, I know that I've gotten better because I used to just stay up watching television way too late. Half the time I wasn't even actually watching it or paying any attention to it. It was just on in the background. And now I don't have a TV in my, TV in my bedroom anymore. So that's helped. So like when I go into the bedroom, it's my bedroom and there isn't, you know, of course I could put an iPad on and put Netflix on if I wanted to, but that's defeating the purpose, right? So if when you go in there, you're in the mindset that you're going to sleep and, you know, if you put on some sort of meditation music or Amazon radio or something that might help you sleep, or if you have a diffuser, you know, to put eucalyptus or something that smells good, um, that might make you sleepy, you know, any and all those things could, could work and help. But it's definitely something I'm going to continue to work at because you need to, you need to keep working at it. Right. One of my biggest things is I just am like, I just get to go to bed and I love going to bed. I mean, I don't know. I don't know why it is. I just love going to bed. I, I love waking up in the morning and I think maybe that's help, helpful too. Um, but you got to say, I get to go to bed. It's not, I have to go to bed now. You're not missing out on anything. Go get your sleep. Tomorrow's a new day. <laughs> yeah. And if you think about it, if you have the right mindset about it, um, we're going we're gonna to perform so much better. Oh, God. it's amazing how much you perform more more consistently and just, just more power when you, when you have enough sleep. Yeah. And then even like race weeks, I think that's a thing I always try to talk about in the show too. So people just don't freak themselves out. It is hard when we travel to Berlin or to London or Tokyo or Boston or wherever we're traveling to New York city, when we're sleeping in a hotel bed or an Airbnb bed, or maybe we're a guest of a friend or whatever it is, our routines are all changed and our Everything has changed. And I, I try to just bring this stuff up to people so they'll learn from my experiences because this is what I do. I go all around and I race everywhere. I try to bring as many things that I need as someone who has celiac, who has to eat gluten-free food. I try to bring as many things as I know that I'll need to eat, let's say race morning, so I don't have to worry about if the hotel doesn't have gluten-free oatmeal. I don't have to worry about if they don't have this other item. I know that I can at least get by that morning and have get enough calories in 
you know, have that meal or the night before maybe, you know, pick out what restaurants I might want to eat in and sleep wise too. Like you say, if you've been sleeping well up until like the race week, even a couple of days before, you're going to be fine. I've had races where I was awake the whole night and I had a great race. So, um, yep, 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 for sure. And that fueling tip that you just gave about bringing, I bring, I bag up, I take everything in my, I'm, I have a whole duffel bag full of food when I travel, the, the stuff I can travel with, portable stuff, because I just need my fuelings. And I think that is another piece of the puzzle is don't, don't, don't just go out on a whim. And I think this is where a lot of people go on their days, just on a day-to-day basis too often. Don't just put it out there as chance. You've got a plan. Your body needs that recovery from sleep. It needs the fuel for, for, you know, being able to perform. Those are basics that they, they're a must haves, you know, in your life, I think. So, yeah, well, that's a great tip. That's where I was going to go next was nutrition for you. So for you, even though you have the nutrition background and you have the experience, your own fueling, it's been a journey and you've definitely been mastering it and getting better and better at it. So in your mind, you know, we can just kind of walk through where you started because most people that come on here, I could tell you firsthand, Maggie, their first race, they don't run their marathon time anywhere near your first marathon time or their first half marathon time. I think you said you're at a 133 or something crazy. Like people don't start there. They, if they're lucky, they're running four hours or four and a half hours in their first marathon. Maybe they're running a 350 or something. And, you know, maybe they're running a 145 or a 150 half marathon. And then they you know, continue this march downward and gain fitness and gain confidence, get stronger. But I mean, you started at a place that very few people start at for somebody who wasn't like, let's say an elite high school or college athlete. So, um, but tell us, you know, starting with some of your first races, like what you were running, but where the nutrition changes you think started to grab some hold and help you, you know, get stronger as you've been doing, you know, so well, not only in your marathons, but also in your Ironmans as well. Yeah. 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 I, I have to say, you say my first marathon, I ran so well, but really let's take it back to that first marathon that I attempted. Um, so back to that 133 half marathon was in March. I decided then to train for two months and try to try to do my first mar- marathon, which was in Midland. It was called the qualifier at the time. Uh, don't, it's not around anymore. Um, it was a point to point and it was like 85 degrees that day. And I came out there with no idea about nutrition, hydration. I hadn't checked where there were water stations, nothing. And I'm running a 745 pace, you know, thinking I'm going to be cute and all this stuff. Well, I got 23 miles in and I completely, absolutely. If you think of, you can just imagine someone like that wind up energizer bunny that just completely stops and then falls over. That was me. I literally fell over and an ambulance had to come get me. So it was scary. It was very scary. I, I had some pretty bad lab values. That was my medal that day. <laughs> so I learned a lot. I, um, after I rebounded from not only the just feeling horrible and, and physically, but mentally too, um, I, that's when I, that's when I decided to do Grand Rapids in October and truthfully respect the, the, the distance and to train properly and to get my nutrition practice in. And I, I just, you know, went to the runner store and figured out, you know, what, what should I try and tried gels and different things and got my hydration belts and did, did better practices. So I ran my three, 321 there. BQ'd. It was, it was pretty cool. Um, so I set my sights then to train for Boston for the first time. And that would have been in uh, 2014. Um, 
So I did Boston. Um, and I think my nutrition for those, for those marathons, basically all the way through up until two years ago, I pretty much figured out three or four gels, depending on how I was feeling was pretty much all I did. Not much extra sodium. Um, I took the water in the course and, and I, I usually felt like junk at, at the end. And at the, you know, I just didn't realize what was going on with me. Um, finally, I think after I, you know, I got into triathlon realizing, you know, fueling was super important. I, I, I added more. I still don't think I had enough. Um, but I, I, I think nutrition, you know, has been an evolving thing. I've learned, I've researched, I've listened. Um, you know, I, I've tried different things in this last couple of years, I've just realized I was under, underdoing everything and it really wasn't helping me. It was mean, it was, it was okay. Um, but I really felt like crap after races. I was sore. I delete, you know, so those are the things I've, I've figured out. I got to figure this out. So if I want to keep doing this, I got to figure it out. So, um, yeah, a lot of couple, a lot of things I've figured out this last couple of years in nutrition. That's great. And it gives us really good insight. So I, I had forgotten that you had sent me a note about ending up in the ER in your first, uh, in your first marathon. <laughs> what an experience, man. Talk about, talk about, uh, you know, getting involved with your very first one, one that's memorable for life. Um, but you know, like if it weren't 85 degrees, you would have probably still been the energizer bunny. Maybe you would have slowed down a little in the end. Maybe you would have hit the wall a little bit, but I can assure you, you wouldn't end up in the ER with messed up you know, blood levels, yeah, but, but would I, have, but would I have learned that lesson where it really took me to no. a point? I don't think so. No, I think that was purposely given to me as a lesson that I needed because of, uh, I just believe in it. You know, it's just the way it goes in life. You know, everything you're given, the struggles you're given is for a reason. And, and I've struggled I've had lots of struggles and those struggles, I guess have made me who I am today. Oh, hell, hell yeah, it's made you who you are today. Um, because it's how we receive that when it happens to us that determines how we move forward. And, you know, do we just say, okay, this isn't for me? I mean, I can tell you right now that a lot of people walking around in this world would have said, oh, well, I'm not running any more marathons. Fuck that. This is crazy shit. This is, I don't want to end up in an ambulance again. Or would not have done the research, would not have gone to the sneaker stores, would not have done your homework, would not have asked those questions about, what do I need to do and try? And then began experimenting on your runs, taking different kinds of gels. Like that's how we learn. There's no other way to learn. Everybody wants the magic hack. Everybody wants the magic secrets. There aren't any. All right. Even as a, even as a coach, it's difficult because everyone has different tolerance levels. Everyone needs different things. And if you, you know, really at your, at your level of training, you're going to receive that nutrition differently. I mean, it's, it's a very fine line to find what really works. And I really think the trial and error piece of it is what you got to do and be committed to. Otherwise you're going out on race day still as a, I don't know, is this, is it crapshoot? You know, is it going to work? Cause that's not going to work for you. You're not going to go in at least confident enough to try for a sub three, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, there's, there's so much in there that's, that's just dead on. Um, because, if we don't practice it, how are we going to know how our body's going to respond to it? And in, in every 
a time we do a long run of different uh, distances and we have pace work involved and some are just time on our feet, right? Um, a traditional long run, I'm going to run two hours and 30 minutes today, or I'm going to run two hours and 45 minutes today on a trail or on the roads or other runs are very specific. I'm going to run the first four or five miles and just get loose at a minute slower than my marathon pace. And then I'm going to run six to eight miles at marathon pace. And maybe I'm even going to try to close faster than that, you know, in the last two miles. All right. So what is the objective of the run? How long are you going to be out there for? What do you need from a fuel perspective? And if you're out there on your own, you don't have a nutrition table set up, then you're either going to need, you know, a little vest or something to carry your gels, a belt, or if you're lucky enough to have a husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, or maybe a training partners who might be somebody who'll ride a bike with you alongside you, or, you know, be out there with you as you're, as you're all doing your work, or maybe if you're doing a loop course and you could pass back by, but that's how we learn how our bodies adapt on that day. And the other thing is going all the way back to your first one was 85. Well, that's a huge outlier element to factor in. If it were 60 and the humidity is low, you're not, your body wasn't going to have that reaction. So you wouldn't have gotten a chance to learn that lesson and realize just how serious that component was to us succeeding or having just a good race. Because even just from my own experience, I know I can run a marathon on as little as three or four gels but it's not going to be an optimal marathon. It's just going to be a marathon where I'm just making my way through. Um, you know, I'm not going to crash and burn at all. I'm going to run a comfortable race and as comfortable as a marathon can be, right? They're not really comfortable, but you know what I mean? Where, you know, I'm at a fairly steady pace. I can hold on. I'm not really going to slow down very much, but I'm not going to have an optimal result. If I can get five or six in, that's a big difference. That's a couple of hundred more calories. And it's a big difference for in the end when we're starting to feel ourselves lose it. And we are mentally trying to stay engaged. We're trying to stay on pace. We're trying to hold on to that runner. Or in your case, when you're getting close to sub three and you've got some lower three hour times there, and now you're trying to chop in the three minutes off or four minutes off or five minutes off, that's 20 seconds a mile. That's 18 seconds a mile. That's a lot for the whole race. It isn't just for the last 10 K. So those extra gels, or if it's salt or some other thing that you have to manage, um, that could be the difference between breaking through and not. Well, and here's the thing is I, tried not I tried for a, a, a low three hour marathon last last March last May it's been yeah a year ago I that was a 313 I did in Myrtle Beach and I took my normal five I took five gels with me and I only did the four and I decided at mile 21 22 I'm like now nah, I'll just finish up I died those last three miles I, I still did a 313 it was still a good PR a couple minute PR and stuff but I was like what the heck I really started digging deeper there because I was like, you know what? There's no reason I'm trained. I'm fit. I was at a lower weight than I'm carrying now. That's the other thing. Race weight isn't what you think is the physique that everyone dreams of on, on Instagram posts and that kind of stuff. Race weight means I'm carrying a little extra around my middle and maybe some extra jiggle in my butt, right? So that actually is helpful in many cases for people where I just feel like there's always that body image, you know, perspective that always comes into play too. So I've found that when I've told myself, yeah, I don't know if my stomach can handle it. And I don't know if really this last gel is, is going to do it need be needed. I've finally told myself to shut up. The plan is do the gel, take the gel and you will, I almost did it. I almost didn't take the last one this morning. I almost did, didn't. It was mile 23. And I was like, eh, no, I took the darn gel and I 
did it. It was just like, okay, I finally sealed the deal with my brain that I'm not going to doubt anymore, I think, today. <laughs> you see, that's, that's so clutch that you shared that because that is the exact conversation that I'm having. Like, my stomach made it this far. I have celiac, be you know, but I'm just saying like we all, <laughs> everybody out here is managing something. Somebody has Crohn's, somebody has celiac, somebody, we all have something and we're all trying to figure out, you know, our gummy is going to be easier for us to get down and, and hold at a later part in the race. Maybe not early in the race, but maybe gels are in the beginning and then you switch to something else. I'm, but the point is, and you brought it home beautifully, it's, it's you have to experiment. So you don't just try it, you know, at Boston, you don't just try it when you're really saying, hey, today's my sub three day. No, that's not the day to experiment. The time to experiment is on the hard training run. On when a you're, Tuesday when, night. <laughs> when you're throwing those paces in and you're working with other people and you're, and you're going to say, hey, I'm going to try to close this thing at faster than marathon pace. That's going to be harder on your stomach than anything else is going to be if you're dropping pace. So if you do it then, and it actually holds up, but I love the fact that you convinced yourself to do it at 23 because I'm the opposite. So thank you for sharing that because my recent ones were like, I got four in, I'm okay at Barcelona and I was not losing my pace. I could see, although it was kilometers over there, there were no miles. I could tell I wasn't losing my pace, but you see, that's the wrong perspective. The right perspective should have been jam another one down. Okay. You have 5k to go. Maybe I could have actually cut five seconds a mile in that last 5k, maybe 10 seconds a mile. I don't know. Maybe I couldn't have, but I don't know. So I just love the fact that you brought that up because my brain was telling me, don't risk it. It might make you go to the bathroom. It's not worth it. You're holding up pretty well here. And I did. And I'm proud of how I went, but you went through to the other side. You convinced yourself you I've had to do it. Three, three times in a row in the last six weeks between Boston, the half Ironman last weekend and today, and did the same thing in Boston. Was that question mark whether or not I did it. Half Ironman, I actually did two gels on the half marathon when I normally have only done one. And that helped. I, I finished, you know, well, I, I won my age group by 12 minutes there and then didn't even need to run as fast as I did. Just, just wanted to, wanted to finish well, but the nutrition I'm, I'm now it's that consistency of feeling so that your, your glucose and the stores in your body are just not struggling. You don't want to let them be struggling at the end. And, and that's where the, you know, I think the dynamics of just the, the recovery comes in. How, how can I run? How can I do a half Ironman for uh, sub five hours, six days ago? And then runs runs that sub three today. I I truly believe the nutrition aspect and the recovery and all that stuff is it's it's gotta be there. It's gotta be respected. I mean, that's an amazing back to back. So you you did a sub six seventy point three and sub five. Sub five. Sub five seventy point three. And six days later, you have a, a sub three, two fifty-eight. Marathon 258.02, by the way, 258.02. So that's like 647 per mile. That's, I didn't realize they were that close together. That's amazing. That's like unbelievable. Um, where was your, where was your 70.3 uh, half Ironman? Where was, where's the triathlon at? Chattanooga. So you're in Tennessee for that. 
and you had to, you had to travel, so it's not like you just you blinked yourself there. The Starship Enterprise didn't beam you down there. Maybe you had to travel with your bike, go down, do the race, come back home. So you basically had work, a, you had a work, couple had, had a graduation that I had. My son's graduated from from high school. It's been a very whirlwind filled, you know, family coming into town for this weekend and stuff, and coordinating and traveling to come here. It's been a it's been a, 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 a tumultuous week. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, first off, it's totally amazing. Um, it's incredible. Um, you know, amazing performances in both, by the way. And you won your age group in the uh, in the half Ironman as well, right? Yeah, I, uh, I, I did it. So, yeah, my swim is horrible, but my bike was all right, and I came off of it, and I ended up doing, I think, my best half half marathon for for any seventy point three I've had up to this point too. So, feeling. Yeah. I, my run is on. My run is on. Obviously, I trained really well for for Boston. I did have not trained as well for half Ironman coursework, but I I do the cross training. I haven't swam as much, but um, I do a lot of biking as my recovery, and I do a lot of stretching and strength and agility training. So that same kind of thing that you do. It's not heavy weights. It's not. It's just flexibility. It's strength. It's yoga. It's just keeping my my joints loose and keeping them strong and keeping all of those supportive you know, muscles and stuff in, in check. So, you know, doing all that, it does take some, some routine and some priority, right? Doesn't it? <laughs> oh, hell, hell yeah. Hell yeah. And you got the mom life, you got work life, you got everything going on. So you go 305 in Boston, which is where we met on the shakeout, 305 in Boston, kill it there. And you go to half Ironman at Chattanooga and you go sub five and have your best run uh, off the bike, which is a lot, which is big. And then six days later, you go 258.02 marathon. That's one hell of a stretch since Boston, man. That's impressive. Yeah, thanks. I'm I'm excited. Now we now I just get to uh, take a little bit of a break and then um, get back into full, full-fledged, uh, like half iron and then full, full Ironman training. Uh, ultimately, the A race is Kona in October. Can't wait to go back there. Cool. So you're qualified. You're all set. Your ticket is punched. Um, And what a blessing to get a chance to race there. Um, uh, I think it was 20 years ago um, when I was doing try, when I first got involved with the sport, I had a friend, um, his job, he had a really cool, he worked for FedEx. So anywhere they flew, anywhere their planes went, their cargo planes, um, he basically could fly for the tax of a ticket. So if he wanted to go to New Zealand or Lanzarote or any of the exotic places that Ironman existed, his best chance to qualify for Kona was always in an Ironman because he was a pure distance guy. And he kept missing by one spot forever. He just kept missing and he was just working so hard and training so hard. And uh, he finally made it and uh, he couldn't get anyone to go with him. And I, I used like my miles from United. I fly a lot and I went to Kona with him and I just hung out. Um, and just fanboyed all the great Ironman men and women athletes out there and just was there with him as his like sidekick and, you know, biked a lot of the course and ran a lot of the course and swam a huge chunk of the course. Um, and just, it was a, a week of my life and I wasn't even involved in the race, but just being out there under that full moon in Kona and just, you know, being on a Leahy drive, just the energy is, uh, it's really, I'm not sure I've ever felt anything quite like that. Um, being out there and 
all the um, elite men and women, the race winners who are w finishing up hours before, they're all out there like we do in New York City. We kind of come back out to the park. For the last finishers, it's become a very big tradition that um, Peter Chacha, the former race director of New York City, kind of asked the running clubs, like very kind of low-key under the radar at one point, and then it just kind of grew, and we all started doing it, and now it's become a thing. And um, I think that's something so magical about Kona is uh, – you know, to finish under that moonlight and the runners that are out there and the stories of these people at these crazy ages that are still, you know, just killing it and doing it. So you got to be like totally stoked um, to be going to be going back to Kona, right? I am totally stoked for other reasons, too. Um, my family's going. My kids are going to go. And uh, Chris Swiseki, who's my uh, I guess my 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 partner in life who got me into all this crazy try stuff, but he qualified as well last year in Chattanooga when we did the full and he's been trying and trying and trying. And I am so excited, but we are both going, both competing two different days. Um, it's just amazing. And he actually uh, ran Bayshore half today and, and had a qualifying time to get into New York. So we're hopefully going to be coming next year after we run Chicago. So we're, we've got a full, uh, it's funny. We always have something planned and this is our life. This is kind of like, you know, how we live together and look forward to these wonderful, you know, we work hard, we train hard, we love our family and we love hard, you know, and, and it's just about, uh, you know, always having something goals and stuff. And I just love, I just love Kona. I mean, last time I was there, it was, it was an amazing time, but I now have a di whole different perspective going back there now. I'm so much, I mean, I, I had gratitude then, but now I really, have, I don't know. I just learn. I've learned over the years and it's getting so much easier to have gratitude. Like today, finishing the race, I, I was just full of gratefulness and kept saying things to myself that just exemplified what gratitude is all about. And I think that's what this sport and in this running and this sub three today really means to me. It's, it's all about really how grateful I am to be able to do this. Yeah. Well, we talked before we came on the air and we, we spent quite a bit of time right centered in that spot about gratitude. And I think if we ever suffer a real injury, a serious injury, and we lose a chance to practice the gift we have, whether it's music or painting or art or athletics or sports, whatever the hell it is, when we, it's only when that's truly taken away from us and we, we haven't decided we're burned out or we're tired or we want to take a break where we actually can't do what we love to do anymore or what we've been given this gift to do. And when it's gone, whether that's for a month or for three months or six months or maybe even a year, it's just hard to imagine, you know, how different your life is without it. And when you're given that chance to come back and be able to do what you love again. It just, the level of just gratitude again, love, just joy. It's just, it's, it's a hard feeling to, to really quantify and put into words. But also when we're circling a big goal and we're chasing a big goal for a long time, these big mythical goals like sub three or qualifying for Boston or getting to Kona, these enormous things that are just really hard to do that very few people actually can do. And when you come close a few times, or maybe even a lot of times, and then you break through that gate, gratitude is very different then. 
Um, which is why, you know, when you're in those last couple of miles, you know, I can just hear it in your voice, man. I feel like I was out there because that's what it's like when you, when you start to realize maybe with 5k to go, oh my God, I can do this, man. I can do this. Like this could happen for me. I mean, were you feeling that? Like how, how far out were you in the race before you realized like maybe this was going to be the magic day. This was going to be the day you could make it come true. I always, I always have had these really weird moments in races in the past where I get past like 13 miles and then all of a sudden, you know, mile 15 to 18, I'm like doubtful and darkness comes in there. And then I have to like, say, check myself and say, are my legs hurting or whatever? And every, every mile today, it was all about consistently checking my form because I think your muscles and everything and how you stride and your form is dictated by what you're thinking about. It's like if you're squirreling away and looking at other things, and it was hard because I have a lot of friends that ran this course today and stuff, and I was being cheered on, and I was like, oh, oh, check myself, get back here, get back here, right at your stride. The stride is where I kept myself, and it was staying right in that moment. And it was funny because, um, you know, you mentioned mantras, you know, your mantra I love. Stay in the fight has stuck it stuck in my head many times, not even just with running in certain things. Like when I'm like, Oh, I'm getting down at the end of the day. And I'm like, Oh no, stay in the fight. We're going to get through this. Right. And, and those mantras have been the number one things that stay in my mind throughout these races. But today it was all about staying in one, one mile at a time. And by the time I got to about mile, I think I got to about mile 18. I was, I, the, the, the three hour pacing group finally caught me and I was in my own thoughts by that time, you know, at that time. But then I hear the guys chattering and I'm like, can't let them distract you. Stay in your game. I kept, you know, I talked to myself and the more positive I could talk to myself, there was, you know, the negativity that creeps in and it's really a, a really hard thing. I know that a lot of people experience and don't know how to deal with it. And I think that's the learning curve I've also learned over the last couple of years is really to practice that there were no negative thoughts. I was praying. I was, you know, I wasn't praying to get something. I was praying for the things I had already paying for the gift, right. That we, that you just mentioned. And then at the end, I was like, I was like, I never looked at my pace because I didn't want to go too far ahead. I wanted to stay. I wanted to stay in that mile. I knew I was potentially around a 259 because the, I started be, uh, uh, in front of the three hour pace group. So they were just behind me. And then they finally passed me. And I said, you know what? I'm staying right here. I'm going to stay at a, stay at a 652 to 655 pace. If I go up to seven, I'm still going to be fine these last four miles. But you know, one of the things I said to myself when I had four miles left, I said to myself, why not me? I said that question, like, why not me? Like my self-worth, has always gotten my way. And up to today, I finally said, I am worthy. And today was the day and I made it happen. And I just, it was all about gratitude. I mean, I had to, I have to say that energy really does, does uh, help. Well, I'm so happy for you. I can see the joy in your face and the gratitude, but, but more importantly, you managed it. Um, so you, you played a big part in that, not just physically that you're strong as fuck to be able to crush a half Ironman and six days later, come back and run a sub three marathon. Like that's just completely awesome beyond belief and mind bogglingly strong, but you managed the toughest part of the race because 
Where we go wrong is when we overthink everything in life, okay? That's where we go wrong. When we start thinking about this outcome and that outcome, the next thing you know, you're going to trip and you're going to hit your shoe in the corner of a curb and you're going to be sprawled out on the road or whatever. No, man, don't think. Just run, okay? And you stayed present. I mean, there's a hundred books about it. I mean, Ryan Hall is a great book. Dina Castor. Staying present is just so important because the minute we start to get too far ahead of ourselves, man, we don't breathe the same way. Our heart rate starts to go up. You know, maybe our pulse gets a little more shallow. Maybe our stride starts to get a little shorter. All sorts of things start to change. And the minute something changes, if our brain picks up on that, good luck, okay? Because we want to control what our thoughts are. We want to stay present. We want to stay relaxed. You could have easily panicked and said, okay, these people are passing me. Like, I don't like that distraction. Just me personally, just speaking out loud. I love to be in the company of runners. You know that. We talked about this, man. I, I could talk and run a 50-mile race. I, I don't have to shut up. I can just talk the whole time. It's no problem. Ultras are made for me. I can just talk for 50 miles straight. But what you don't want is you don't want to lose your focus. And you were so centered and you were talking to yourself about all the right things. Why not me stay in the fight? All the right things that you needed to be thinking about. Whereas normally that would help if you were slowing up a little, like to hold on to them. Let me grab a hold of this group. Let me, they're my lifeline. Let me grab them or let me just talk to some guy or chick over here and just relax for a second. Not, I wouldn't want that either. Um, you know, let them go. Um, I think you made a great choice. And more importantly, you know, like at some point there with a couple of miles to go. And I think it's just so important for anybody listening. People go too soon when they feel strong. They make that mistake a lot. And if I can stop one person from doing that, I want to stop them because they think, you know, I have 10K to go. I feel great. Well, you should feel great with 10K to go. You ran 20 miles. You didn't run 26.2. You still have 6.2 to go. If you feel great with four miles to go, you got my blessing, man, but not sooner than four, not sooner than four. I actually prefer holding somebody back to the last 5K personally, unless I really know them well, and I'm not coaching anybody like you are anymore, but I've coached many runners over the years and not even so much contractually or money-wise, but just more on the mental side, the prep side, thinking about their race strategy, helping them build a race plan. How are you going to approach the race? What are you going to do, you know, with your pacing over the course as it lays out to you? And, you know, are you going to run the same splits? Because Boston doesn't allow that. So you better have a plan. You know, what are you going to do? You know, the race doesn't really start to hit the firehouse. And if it, if it started before that for you, you're in a lot of trouble because the big part is all in front of you from the minute you hit the firehouse in Newton. So, um, I think you handled so much of that stuff so well, man. And it's, it's exciting. And, you know, you also won the other battle with nutrition, you know, because look, I mean, cumulatively, you just raced a hard half Ironman. I mean, you know, you didn't, it's not like you came in fresh. You broke five hours in a 70.3 and you had your strongest run and it's six days later. So you don't, you may have felt like you were okay. You may have thought you were going to be okay, but that last gel could literally have been the difference between 258 and three hours and 10 seconds. It could have been that much of a difference. You just, you don't know. I, I do believe it. I do believe it is. And I think that's where we all falter is we just think that that last three miles is not much. And that last three miles is the race. I always, I mean, I always run my, uh, workouts and I always think of those workouts as the end of the race, the end of the race, like push yourself as hard as you can. I mean, if, if can I do 630 pace? Can I do a 625 pace? Maybe I can even do a 610 pace, you know, but really it's about, can I, I, I had this really, I had this really good run that was a validating run that is a long run. Um, 
uh, and it was after Boston and I went out and I ran, um, some, some 5k workouts within a 20 miler. And I ran a 658 pace for that 20 miler. And I, it was so validating, but the nutrition aspect, I, I did it in there too. And I made sure I did my nutrition and I, I do believe the nutrition cause I felt great after that one too. So can't say enough about nutrition, but also just believing in yourself. You have to believe in it and then do it so that you can believe it. You have to try it so you can believe it. It's true. I mean, how, what other thing in life would we do that's really hard that we wouldn't practice? I mean, think about it. We practice running every day. Do we, do you not ride your bike every day before you do a triathlon? Do you not swim? Do you just go out there and try to swim 2.4 miles when you're in Kona? Like we practice all of these things, right? But here's the thing that people don't want to practice. It's like, if, if you can't get gels down, then guess what? Then you're going to either have to carry bottles or you're going to have to use gummies or you're going to have to find some other method of getting enough calories in because trust me, the bigger these races get, and you know, I'm known for running the Abbott majors and being part of that whole series and doing all the six star races. And I just feed off that massive energy of seeing everybody at those races, but the tables just get more and more crowded. People's, you know, they just don't have, I don't understand. Like people are not courteous. Okay. It, look, if you want to wear headphones to run a marathon, I'm not going to say don't do it because it's not up to me. All right. But if it's in the rules, you're not supposed to wear it. You shouldn't be wearing it. But if, if, the rules don't say you can't wear them, wear them. But you know what? If you have headphones on and you want to blast your music, that's totally fine with me. But if you have them on and you're oblivious to the rest of the world and you're going to be in the middle of the road and cut 90 degrees across to the, to the Gatorade table and you're going to cut off seven people in the process and you're six, four, and you're going to bowl over 22 people. Maybe you might want to think about some of the other people that you just took out. Um, or maybe somebody jammed on the brakes and, you know, pulls a muscle like, you know, people's etiquette is, is not great. So again, going back to that, if you are able to use gels, you're eliminating a lot of the other stuff because you'll get enough calories in from your gels with just water. You won't need anything else to water. And, you know, every good marathon has the table separated for water and Gatorade or Powerade or whatever their, you know, supplemental drink is. So you just have to know, is the water going to be on the first tables or is it going to be on the second set of tables? And in most of the big marathons, the tables are on the left and the right and they're staggered. So you, you just have to know like, okay, stay, you know, towards the left side or the right side so that you're not always having to cut, cut across and zigzag. Now, what are you actually using? I know we've gotten it down that you have figured out how much you need to use, but what are you actually using? Well, I figured out with my Grand Rapids race last fall, I got up early and we, it was, so it was that, it was that whole sweet spot also about fueling in the morning. So I've always done a, a English muffin, maybe some peanut butter, banana, basically that to get some fuel in me, some coffee and some dark chocolate almond milk or cream or whatever. So get that in me. Um, but here's the key is I would start races without any, any fuel, like before. So it might be two hours, but I'm not getting anything in me before I start running. So I'm already kind of depleted. That energy source is maybe gone. So I started using scratch energy chews and I had this nice, I just, I love them. They're sweet. I mean, I don't eat candy. I don't eat a lot of sweets, but man, I love working out because I get to eat my sweets. So I have my, uh, scratch energy chews, a bag of those before 30 minutes before, and I've done it religiously for each one of these races. Um, I then about, I, I then take scratch, um, 
And it's funny because I started drinking it on a bike. It's something that it's a scratch um, hydration, their their energy drink. So it's it's basically um, it's scratch hydration. It's called, but it it has some glucose, it has sugar in it, and then it has the electrolytes you need. So that I started learning on and loving the, the biking from the biking aspect. Last summer, trained my butt off on the bike. So of course I'm, I'm drinking a lot of it. I tolerate it well, right? So find what you tolerate. What I found though is that it's more sodium. So as then I got into the running aspect, I had my my sodium balance in check better than anything else you can ride, you know, you can use on the bike. Um, gels and that kind of stuff might not have the sodium. So um, I start out with three scoops of that in a like a little hydro flask, concentrated. So I'll take sips of it and then I'll drink water as I go. That keeps then everything in balance. Then I will go into, I, I love my goo roctanes for some reason. They're simple. They got the branch chain amino acids in them. They've got enough sodium in them. So I took, um, I took three of those today. So I had basically the three, the three eighty calorie scratch hydration drinks. And then I had three of the, the goo roctanes. I kind of skimped and didn't do the full thing at the end. I get, I gave myself a little bit of a grace. Um, just, you know, I get, I, it, but Overall, it was about 650 calories is all I took basically for the whole entire pre-race to race aspect. And it, and it, and it works well. I mean, I'm only 110 pounds. So, you know, you look at it, that aspect, that's kind of what I took into consideration. So it works for me. I like the specifics and, um, again, it's trial and error. You had to figure it out, um, in terms of what you're eating. I'm similar, you know, race morning, it's either like a gluten-free oatmeal or I take gluten-free bagels with me and peanut butter, almond butter, banana, you know, some something like that. Um, oatmeal, something like that a couple hours before. And then, you know, I'll have a bottle of something in the corral. If it's a race like New York where I have access and we have a special like elite New York City running corral, which is the closest to our actual starting point. Um, we have extra porta johns in there. It's a perk of being, a, you know, um, part of a top, the top running New York City community running teams, runners. Um, so for me, I could take a bottle of Morton or something like that um, just to get some liquid calories in me before I go. And I'll carry that. I'll carry that bottle with me because I drink it slowly. Um, but I could get some so, so far into easily like 10K into the race before I've actually finished that bottle. And then then I just go to my gels, um, gels and water. And I personally love the GU Octane ones myself too. They got some really fun flavors. Um, you know, I like orange vanilla. They got like a cherry lime Ricky. They got all these crazy flavors, but um, the Roctane ones are more or less my favorites. Um, I've used Cliff also. Cliff work well for me. I really don't like the Morton gels anymore. I did when I started. I just don't like them anymore. Um, they make my stomach feel really weird and I can't have it. I can't have my stomach feeling really weird. I need to get it down. And those goo flavors for me, or even like Cliff, the flavors are really like vanilla Cliff. Like it's just basic, man. It's to me, I can just eat it. And I don't, I'm not one of these people who can smash a whole gel down. It takes me sometimes a mile before I get the whole gel down. It might even take me a mile and a half. Um, so I also have to work on that. If I can get them down a little bit quicker, then I think you know, and I also count, I'll take one in the corral. So that's another thing I've started to do because, you know, like, as opposed to getting one in your first mile or two, like, what's the difference? You're, you're getting ready to start the race. Like, you know, when I've got my watch on, I've already pulled my GPS signal. So that's on. I'm like, okay, there's about three minutes where the gun's going to go off. I'll pull it out. 
I'll take one like right there, right before the race starts. Cause at least I give myself a little sugar hit. Obviously I always have a little hand bottle of water or something with me so I can wash it down. And then, you know, that's just like little tips that I, that I'm using, but I love, you know, how you, uh, explain your, uh, your internal battle today. Cause that, that's the exact battle I went through at Barcelona and I'm not, I'm not losing it in Berlin, in Berlin, I'm winning it. And in and my next training runs when I, and they'll be through the heat of the summer, of course, because Berlin's like late September. So my long runs and my hard long runs are going to be in Central Park in like August and July. So, you know, your paces are not going to be the same. So anybody who lives in hot weather, you know, in Florida or Texas or anywhere, or even Michigan gets hot in the summer, every place gets hot. Like you just have to know your paces are just not going to be the same, but effort is effort. Um, and you still have to get the fueling practice in. You still have to work at cutting down your paces for certain miles in there so that your effort is changing. And, um, I like that you're using a bunch of, a bunch of different things. I'm going to try the, um, I haven't had the scratch gummies, but a lot of cliff makes them goo makes them a lot. And I am a candy junkie. So for me, this will be easy. Um, I'm a candy junkie. So like that might be a good thing for me. Maybe I stick with like four gels and then late in the race, I go to those. Like that could be a good thing for me because it would give me the boost and it'd feel like I'm having some candy and it would feel like it's a bonus. Like, okay, man, we got 10 K to go. I get to have some candy now. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, cause it all, they, they, they melt in your mouth too, a little bit better than like the shot blocks. So oh, like, okay. <laughs> and what are the flavors like? Flavors. They have a matcha green tea, m- matcha and, lo- and lemon or something, which I really like. Um, they have a berry one. I'm trying to think what else they have. I just got the berry ones recently. There's not a whole lot that I was, I'm able to order now, um, get discount with our coaching program. So, um, I've been dabbling in the different flavors. I'm going to try them all eventually. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's good. It's good. Um, so listen, we, we talked about your amazing back to back, uh, half Ironman sub five, two fifty eight. That's like maybe the fastest six day apart race sequence of anybody who's been on the show. So you get huge, you get huge awards for that. Um, that's big. We know Kona's coming up big for you. Um, what else other than that is like big on your radar screen before we transition and talk a little about your coaching life? Cause that's also a big part of what you do. Um, working with athletes, you know, trying to get them to hit their top performances. I think the biggest component of coming up for me other than Kona is the training aspects. And then I'm really, um, focused on spending some quality time with my athletes this summer and doing some training rides and some training runs and swims and, um, spending time specifically with the athletes that I'm coaching. Um, cause I, we're doing a half iron man in Frankfurt, Michigan, which is just up West of Traverse city, Michigan in September. So that's going to be kind of a good testing race for myself and Chris going into Kona. And then that's where a lot of the people that I'm either coaching or my friends from our multi-sport club in our community will be doing in September. So that's kind of a pinnacle race for us too. Very fun. Very fun. And I think that's one of the really neat things about try to is because you can, you know, do swim bikes or bike runs and, you know, you get a chance to spend even more hours than we typically tend to as runners, 
you know, when we're doing, you know, mid, mid long runs or long runs together, you know, tend to be a couple of hours, but you know, a longer try day could be a lot, a lot more hours. And then generally, you know, you're going to need some sort of meals and some cocktails after, um, to celebrate the work that's been done. So that's super cool. Um, what can you, what do you, what do you think is, um, something that you're gaining from coaching that you didn't expect? Um, obviously your own journey as an athlete, you know, you're having to figure that out for the most part on your own. I mean, you know, you have your significant other, you guys are chasing similar goals. That's wonderful. I mean, that's gonna, it's gonna make for a more joyful life together. I mean, you're happy for him. He's happy for you. You're supporting each other. It's wonderful. But what is coaching teaching you, um, you know, from your athletes that you didn't expect to learn? Wow. You know, I'm, I'm learning every day from every one of them, but I think the thing that I've learned more is that, you know, their gratitude of what I can, what insight I can give them. I never realized like how, how much that they care about me as much as I care about them. Um, they're always cheering me on and, and I'm, I'm, I'm their biggest fan just as much. I mean, they're my biggest fans just as long as, as much as I'm their biggest fan, you know, so it goes, it's reciprocal. Um, so we care about each other. And I think that's the key with each of the people that I've connected with. It's a good, it's about the connection and it's like the other parts of my life, the relationships are really there. You know, I really feel though, that me being connected with their goals and then helping them to tap into that, maybe the things that are um, inhibiting them from figuring out what is keeping them from that performance, maybe that they're looking to achieve helping them to believe that is the biggest thing. You know, I can write a, I can write a workout for them, but if they don't fully understand it or if they don't execute it exactly the way, you know, that they, you know, I guess if they don't put their heart into it, then that's, you know, what's going on. Why isn't it working out? Why are you missing workouts? So I really try to um, have a good relationship with them, but I'm learning so much from them just from, you know, maybe there's so much you know going on in their lives that I need to, that we need to make sure we communicate about too. So it's, it, the dynamic is very um, challenging at times, of course, but I, I love them dearly. And I think that, um, you know, I'm learning how, how much I, I, I guess that I've learned from them as, as their coach. Um, I'm, I'm always open to learning new things and I'm, I'm only growing as an athlete myself by watching what they're doing. And then the feedback it's, that constant feedback is always teaching us all uh, new things. Wonderfully said. Um, yeah, and it's not it's not about times. It's not about uh, performance. It's really just about um, just really appreciating how hard somebody might be working to juggle four hundred things in their life. Like when you were in your most stressful period with your kids, and you had the most limited amount of time, and you hadn't found this lifestyle yet. Um, and it just kind of stumbled into it. It was happenstance. There was, there was some real, you know, it was the universe, you know, and it, it think about how many different ways that could have went, um, where you could have just stepped off of there and never gotten involved, never met any of these people, never found this life, um, never found this joy and gratitude. But, um, there's somebody out there that's having to overcome so many more things than you or I are. And maybe they're not telling you, um, cause it's like the duck on the surface. It looks smooth, but below the surface, there's so much going on just to stay afloat and above water. And maybe they don't feel they can share it. So for me, anytime we have a chance to impact people like that 
and help them remove some of those impediments, help them work on their mental game. Because you said it, we can't be the best version of ourselves if we don't believe in ourselves. I mean, the first person that has to believe is you. You have to look in that mirror. You got to work on your mindset all the time. I mean, no one is going to come and get the violin out and go, oh, wow, too bad you missed your sub three again. You know, don't worry, Maggie, things are going to get better soon. Like no one, no one's going to do that, you know? And at the end of the day, nobody cares if you run a sub three or if I run a sub three or anybody else does. I mean, we care. Our close friends, our partners care. Our athletes that maybe we on the same team with or that we coach care. Of course they care, but the world's going to keep spinning. Um, but to get the most out of yourself in life, and that's why I always say, you know, stay in the fight doesn't apply just to running. My God, it's it's been my mantra for life because it's my mom. My mom at almost 90, having lymphoma 30 years and multiple cancers and every obstacle in the book. And, you know, she just plows through them all, man. And she does it with a smile. And her motto is just, just going to keep putting one foot in front of the other and get down the road. I mean, she just, you know, to me, she's unstoppable, you know, and she pass that spirit along to me and my brothers and not just us, you know, my nieces and my nephews, the grandkids, like everybody, um, your outlook in life, you know, and how determined are you to just not be stopped if you want something bad enough. And maybe you're not going to run that magical time, but you're going to become a whole lot better athlete than you were before you started. And you're going to be physically a lot stronger. And you, if you're doing it right, you're going to be mentally a lot stronger. And more importantly than any of that, you're going to be a more whole human being. So you should be a happier person and you should have more to give back. Um, so that leads us into our last topic, which is my favorite, which is community service. Um, and I think it's just so important. I love to close the shows with community service because um, I can't tell you many people who've listened and said, oh, I love what that athlete is doing in their community. Or when they mentioned that, it made me think about, I used to do that. And I used to volunteer at my dog shelter when I was a kid. And, and none, many of these things aren't even necessarily running related that we would do you know, in community service. But I know it's important to you. And specifically, I know you're doing some things. So what is an area that you are focused on that's important to you in your community? Well, my job takes me into the community with servicing the, of course I get paid for it. It's great. It's not just like a lot of times community service is meant, you know, for volunteerism. Right. So I feel like I'm volunteering at my job every day because I get to impact people's lives. I get to do it. That's the key word. I get to, I don't have to go to work. Yes, I do have to, but I get to go to work to help people become better versions of themselves, to learn nutrition, to learn sleep habits and things like that. So I do that, but I also, you know, of course, love my coaching, which I feel like that's kind of a service, you know, to help people. But my biggest thing um, has been, I, you know, I've been on the multi-sport club uh, board recently. I just came off of that last year. Um, it was a three-year stint. So of course that's coordinating multi-sport club activities and getting people involved and stoked about joining, uh, you know, the club events and, and running groups and things like that. Um, and then I also, you know, I, I, I coached high school track for a while, um, until COVID hit. Um, but recently what I've done is I went, um, I will, I will speak to uh, teachers like track coaches and, and a lot of them are my friends they have me come and speak to their track teams. And I talk to them, not only, I don't really talk to them about track skills and things like that. I talk to them about nutrition, talk to them about getting good sleep. I talk to them about just good, right choices and things like that. So I've 
been doing some um some 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 of those um volunteer times um and also i've spoken to like science classes the teacher then will have that may come in and talk about their nutrition aspects you know about digestion and different things so i love to talk to, i think more than anything is the youth and the kids and and help them to be as best as they can be i mean to see some of these blossoming kids that that I've known ever since maybe, you know, I did the girls on the run run with my daughter when she was younger and now seeing these these now women who have graduated running track in college or just becoming really good human beings. I mean, I think that that's, um, you know, how I like to give. I just give my time and my thoughts and my smile if I don't have anything else to give. (laughs) That's wonderful. Um, And how much better do we feel about ourselves anytime we give back? Um, I've just been saying it to my son since he was eight years old and, you know, give up our seat on the subway, hold the extra door for one more person, whatever it is, like, just, just watch all the people around smile when you do the simplest little thing like that. Or if you hold the door five more times and then people make a joke that you're the doorman or whatever, you don't care. You just do it because it feels good. And it's, it's not about money. Um, it's not about any of those things. It's just about your giving of your time. Or even if you said something as simple as just greeting somebody and giving them a smile and just um, being human, you know, communicating with other people, letting, letting me know that you're there and um, you're paying attention and if there's anything they need from you. So being able to get back into the schools and talk to schools is wonderful and, you know, sharing your knowledge of health and nutrition and lifestyle and all that is wonderful. And the more you're doing as a runner and a triathlete, you know, you have a bigger platform and, um, you know, you have the athletes that you're coaching and they live somewhere else as well. So it could afford you more opportunities. So that's wonderful. And just keep doing it, man, because it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing and we need to do more of it. I agree. I wish more people would do just one thing for others and it will spread like wildfire. You know, I really believe in that. Um, stick within your own space and don't worry about what anyone else is doing. Just like those sub three, three hour, you know, that group behind me today, I'm like, just stick within my space. I don't have to worry about it. What's going on around me. And and, and it really holds true with, you know, how you live in your community too. So I think, I think just take care of the people around you, you know, that's, that's key. Hey, it's a beautiful message and it's something we all, we all need to work on and, and do more of and be better at it. And uh, it just goes back to being present, right? Just be aware of the people around you in your community, whether it's in your building or in your neighborhood or at church or at school, the supermarket, wherever, just um, somebody out there could always use a hello. Somebody out there could always use, hey, do you need a hand carrying those bags to your car? Whatever it might be. There's always something simple we can do if we're just trying to be conscious of other people. So um, I'm so excited that I got a chance to get you on, especially the day after you had your big breakthrough. Um, and it's not just the big breakthrough of the 258. I mean, it's coming off the sub five, you know, half Ironman back to back. It's just like even more amazing. So um, it's super inspiring. Um, I have no doubt it's going to um, get some people really uh, juiced up hearing your story, hearing how you pulled it together. And also learning about some of the practical things you shared with nutrition, sleep, other things that could help because every one of those things plays a part in us having a chance to optimize our performance. And it's those little things in life. It doesn't just apply to running, man. You'll be better at your job. You'll be better at everything you're doing if you clean up those other little things along the way. So I appreciate you sharing 
those great tidbits with us. And uh, I'm just super inspired by what uh, what you've been doing with the the running and try. And I'm so glad we met out on the Boston Shakeout Run, man. Or we would never be on the show together. So <laughs> we were meant to. Uh, it, 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 it's fate. It's fate. Yeah. <laughs> No, no doubt about it, Maggie. So thanks so much for coming on and sharing your inspiring running journey, triathlon journey, and story with us for sure. No doubt it's going to move the needle and get people excited. And we close every show. We tell everybody to keep lacing them up, to keep getting out the door, and always remember to stay in the fight. Wow, that was such a fun episode and just filled with so many great takeaways, so much gold to mine in this episode. Every one of us who sets big goals is always hoping for that perfect training cycle, that it all goes our way, that we don't get injured, that we have the best weather on our long runs, that we nail our nutrition, and we just hit all of our key workouts in a cycle. But very rarely does it go that way. And so many times, what gets in the way of us achieving our big dream or our huge goal is the mental side. We just don't believe we're prepared enough or this workout didn't go right and we kind of trip over our own feet. When it matters most, uh, we get in the way. And I think so much of this story that resonates with me is about how Maggie learned how to really master the mental side of her running. First, she had to dial deep on getting her nutrition and her fueling right. And it certainly helps when she's a registered dietitian and a certified life and health fitness coach. Um, so she has the credentials to dive in and figure that stuff out. But knowing what to do and actually doing it are two very different things. And, uh, you know, at those points in the marathon, whether it's coming off the bike in a half Ironman or a full Ironman, or in just a marathon, we all have those battles, those internal dialogues about whether we need another gel or could they turn our stomach and make us end up having to go to the bathroom. And Maggie just finally figured out she was just going to shut that story down and get enough fuel in. And it's just had a big impact for her, um, just continuing to optimize her racing experiences. And I know it resonated so much with me because I have that same internal dialogue nearly every marathon about I'm okay, I'm, I've done, I'm holding up all right. Um, do I really want to risk taking this other gel? And uh, thanks to this great conversation with Maggie and just learning from what's helped her, you know, break through and make these final tweaks to really optimize her performance, I'm going to continue myself to try to make sure I'm winning that battle. And I hope you all do too, because um, we're all on this quest to learn together and uh, continuously improve, you know, find the best versions of ourselves. So um, I'm so happy I met Maggie on that O'Leary racing team shakeout before Boston. And uh, I really believe we were meant to meet so we could get her on here and share her story because there's just so many great things for us all to learn in this one. Um, so I hope you all enjoyed as much as we did. I hope you all are continuing to smash your goals and get ready for whatever is next on your plate, whether that's uh, marathon, half marathon, 10Ks, getting faster at the track, or maybe building for the fall uh, marathon major season to come with Berlin, uh, London, Chicago, and New York, uh, all looming um, from the end of September on. So it's going to be a big season, and I wish you all uh, well. 
I hope you all stay healthy, um, keep crushing your goals. And uh, if something really resonates in this one, take a moment, hop on Apple Podcasts, write a quick review, tell us what you loved about the episode, and uh, it really helps us find uh, new people to listen to the show and helps me get great guests like Maggie to come on and share. So uh, keep lacing them up, my friends, keep getting out the door, and always remember to stay in the fight. <laughs>